All right. <clears throat> Thank you guys, Austin and Alyssa. Thank you for leading us. Our offering prayer today comes from St. Augustine, and it goes like this. Look upon us, O Lord, and let all the darkness of our souls vanish before the beams of your brightness. Fill us with holy love and open to us the treasures of your wisdom. All our desire is known to you. Therefore, perfect what you have begun and what your spirit has awakened us to ask in prayer. We seek your face. Turn your face to us and show us your glory. Then shall our longing be satisfied and our peace shall be perfect. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you can give as always. Uh, uh, you can text to give or you can uh, download our app if you don't already have it and give through the app. Or uh, you can write checks. Uh, you can write checks and mail them to our post office box, uh, which you see on the screen. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's 49 days after Easter. Uh, it comes from the Greek word for 50th. And originally, it was a Jewish holiday that was celebrated 50 days after Passover. Uh, and it was used to celebrate uh, the giving of the Ten Commandments uh, on Mount Sinai, which happened actually 50 days after the Exodus. Uh, for the Christian church, though, it celebrates the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that happened initially uh, in the upper room. Uh, let me read from Acts chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues uh, as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. Jesus, we pray uh, that you would speak to us today. Uh, we know uh, that you have a word, as always, you have a word for your church. Things that you want to say, things that you want to speak into us, 
even things that you want to speak over us. And so we pray today, uh, give us ears to hear your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. So when Jesus talked with his disciples about what was to come, uh, he had told them, of course, to go to Jerusalem and wait. And he called this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was coming. He called it the promise of the Father. And, and he referenced Joel chapter 2, uh, verses 28 through 32. Let me, let me just read verses 28 and 29. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Uh, last week, uh, if you were with us, if you watched <clears throat> our service last week, we talked about waiting. Uh, Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. And we talked about uh, the difficulty sometimes uh, that waiting presents. Um, the disciples had an assignment. They knew what their assignment was. Jesus had told them. Their assignment was to make disciples of all nations, uh, but they didn't have uh, the Spirit yet. And they needed the Holy Spirit. Without Him, they could try really hard to accomplish this assignment, but they would fail. A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Divine Conquest, calls the Holy Spirit the most neglected person of the Trinity. He goes on to say, our formal creed is sound. The breakdown is in our working creed. When Holy Spirit ceases to be incidental and again becomes fundamental, the power of the Spirit will be asserted once more among the people called Christians. Uh, one of the first things that we have to correct uh, in a lot of thinking is, is we just have to recognize and know that the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, it's not a force or a power. It's not like Star Wars. Uh, he's a person. Uh, the Nicene Creed was written in 325 AD, almost 1700 years ago, to combat uh, a way of thinking that was called Arianism that denied the deity uh, of the Holy Spirit. The, a part of the Nicene Creed says this, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, which proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and Son together is worshiped and glorified. Holy Spirit was in creation. Holy Spirit was not created. Holy Spirit was in creation, bringing order out of chaos. I can't think of a time in my life when we needed Holy Spirit more than right now. We need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to bring order out of chaos. He is the one who manifests the presence and the reality of God to us and in us in our daily lives. <clears throat> Again in Acts, Jesus says to his disciples, you will receive power. This is Acts chapter one, verse eight. You will receive power and be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit 
comes upon you. There are things that, that God has assigned us uh, as the body of Christ. Uh, we have an assignment. There are things that, that Jesus wants us to do on earth. Uh, there are even things that, that we recognize, that we want to do, that we long to do, that we want to give ourselves to. Uh, but we cannot accomplish the things that God has set before us uh, without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, not before. The work of the Holy Spirit, according to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 5 through 8, is to convict, to convert, and to consecrate. Uh, to convict... Uh, before we are Christians, his primary work uh, is to convict us of sin and, and basically to show us that we need him. Uh, to convert, at conversion, he makes us sons and daughters. Uh, Romans 8.15 puts it this way. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave. You received the spirit of sonship. And then consecrate. Uh, to consecrate means to set apart for a purpose. Now, we've talked about our assignment. We have an assignment. Uh, our, assignment our assignment is to make disciples. But what's our purpose? Uh, our purpose goes before our assignment. Uh, until we realize our purpose, we can't accomplish the assignment. Our purpose is to know God in the deepest possible way. If you focus only on your assignment, there's a good chance that you'll fail because you'll try to do it and you may never enter into that deep, that truly deep, intimate place with God. If you surrender to the Holy Spirit, and allow him to draw you into a relationship of deep love, you will passionately give yourself to the assignment. The great commission to go and make disciples without the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength becomes just hard work. But with falling in love with God, it becomes the passion of our souls. From Acts 2, what followed Pentecost, after the wind and after the fire and after the tongues, there were some interesting things uh, that followed the people who called themselves uh, followers of Jesus. In Acts 2, uh, verses 42 through 47, let me just read those verses. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
So I want to point out three things that you see in, in this passage. One is that they were devoted. They were devoted. They devoted themselves to learning everything that they could about God. Uh, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles because they wanted to know everything that they could about Jesus and about what it meant to walk with God and to be in relationship with him. And so in that context, they devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to being together. They devoted themselves uh, to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Uh, we did a survey this past week. Many of you participated in it. And uh, in our survey, it shows that 40% of the people who filled out the survey, which is probably representative of Riverstone, 40% of you said that you were not uh, in a small group uh, of any kind. Uh, we, we've talked a lot in our history about small groups and about the importance of small groups. And, and it occurs to me uh, that maybe, uh, maybe along the way we have missed uh, the purpose, the true purpose, or, or the deepest, most meaningful purpose and reason for small groups. Why do we need groups? Uh, why do we need or want community? I think that many of us believe that we need community or want community so that we can be with people that we like, uh, so that we uh, can be with people that are fun and to sit around a table with people that we have in common, things in common with. Uh, but maybe, uh, maybe we need community because we're different. Uh, maybe we need the kind of community that causes us and even forces us to sit at a table with people who are not like us. Uh, maybe we need community because we're broken. And maybe we need the kind of community uh, that brings us together, uh, not the kind of community that separates us and adds to our division. Uh, we need the community that brings us together and helps us to heal. Uh, maybe the best thing that could happen as far as community goes is if we sat at a table with people who were different than us rather than people that we had so much in common with. Um, maybe our true reason for the need of community is uh, not to be with people that are like us, but to be with people who are different so that the Holy Spirit can enter into that, uh, that meeting around the table and begin to bring healing and wholeness. They devoted themselves uh, to being together. They devoted themselves to learning everything, everything they could about God. They devoted themselves to prayer. Second thing I noticed in that passage is that they were filled with awe. Uh, they were filled with awe. And I, I hope that uh, we never become so familiar with God or, or think that we are so familiar with God that we lose the awe of that relationship. There's a difference between uh, intimacy and, and familiarity. Familiarity just causes us uh, to take for granted. Uh, intimacy, I think, actually increases that sense of awe. Uh, they were in awe of the wonders and the miracles that God was doing in their midst. And, and I would say this about uh, the signs and the wonders and uh, you know, sometimes we, 
we think that maybe uh, too much emphasis is being placed on signs and wonders. And sometimes we think that not enough emphasis is being placed on signs and wonders. And I would just say this, uh, you don't have to be gullible, but also don't be a skeptic. Don't be a skeptic. Uh, we are believers. And believers believe. And I just want to challenge us to believe uh, and to believe God, not just for the easy stuff, but to believe God uh, for the difficult stuff, to believe God for the stuff that only God can do, to believe God for the signs and the wonders and the miracles, to believe God for the water turned to wine, for the walking on water, for the raising of the dead, believe God for those things. They were in awe of the things that God was doing in their midst because they were things that they had never seen before things that they had never witnessed before. And I, I want to encourage us as a body to expect God to do things above and beyond what we have hoped for or imagined or even asked for. The third thing that we notice in this passage is, is that they were united. Verse 44 says they took care of each other. They were willing to make personal sacrifices to help others. They met together, they shared meals, they had, a, they had glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and experienced favor with people. And they won people daily to Jesus. Again, if you focus on these things and try to do them, you will fail. But if you surrender... If you surrender to the Holy Spirit and ask him to fill you and to take you into the place of deep love, he will put within you both the desire and the ability to live Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. Because ultimately, spirit baptism is a baptism of love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Is there anything we need more today on Pentecost Sunday of 2020? Is there anything we need more than a baptism of love? Is there anything that we need more than an outpouring of God-like godly love on the church that would spill out into the streets and change life as we know it. Now let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you, pour yourself out in these days on your church in full measure. Take us to a depth of relationship that we've never experienced before. Take us to a place of love, love of you and love for others that would surpass everything that we've known up until this point. Move us past the boundaries that we've set for ourselves. Move us past the limits that we've decided for ourselves. 
and do a work in us that is so completely you that we wouldn't even recognize ourselves. Lord, we pray, do a work, a deep work in our hearts. Make us lovers. Turn us into lovers, lovers of you, lovers of neighbor. You are our hope. You are our only hope in this life. Come Holy Spirit, have your way here. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm gonna invite uh, Austin to come back up here Maybe lead us in a song or two. And uh, just want to encourage you uh, to take some time to pray and invite the Lord uh, to fill you. Uh, we, we need uh, the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we need the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. We need the fruit of the Spirit love uh, to saturate us, to permeate every part of us in these days. Uh, that is our, our hope to be a faithful witness for Jesus. Jesus himself said it. You will be my witnesses after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So we want to pray uh, that God would so flood our beings with his spirit, with his love, that we would be, be faithful witnesses uh, during these days of, of turmoil and these days of, of difficulty and days when it feels like uh, our city and our country are, are more divided than they have been in, in recent memory. Uh, we, we believe that unity uh, is the thing that uh, Jesus loves almost more than anything. Uh, he loves the unity of the Trinity and he longs for his followers to have that same type of unity. And so we want to pray for healing. We want to pray for reconciliation. We want to pray for redemption all of those things uh, come about through the work of the Holy Spirit. So come Holy Spirit, come. If you need him today, I encourage you to uh, send a prayer request on our uh, text number. Uh, we'll have people who will pray with you, pray for you, uh, prayer teams that will be happy to reach out to you if you so desire. Uh, but we, we would love to pray for you today. Uh, the good news for us is that we have a, a loving Heavenly Father who longs to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. Uh, you don't have to take a test. You don't have to earn uh, this gift. Just ask. Just ask Him. He's ready. He longs to pour Himself out on you. Come, Holy Spirit, come.